0: everybody, and welcome back to the Diamond Duo Podcast, episode 26. I am Tony Puglisi, joined by my wonderful co-host and co-producer Tom Bauer, and we're here to recap every little thing that's happened in the past week of Major League Baseball and possibly preview the things that are to come. This show is brought to you by two individuals who have been to Yankee Stadium and can confirm it is very, very different from a little league ballpark. Oh man, I know that's a very common misconception across Major League Baseball these days, but you know what, Tom, you and I have been to Yankee <laughs> Stadium, you know, together, we've gone with our families, with our friends, and, I mean, I don't know, it's similar, but it's, I don't know, something something tells me it's not a Little League stadium.
1: Yeah, that's a sus comment to quote the kids these days. Uh, <laughs> as someone who lives right around the corner from a Little League field, I can confirm both have dirt, both have grass. Both have a pitcher's mound, a home plate, and all the bases. And they even have a fence, believe it or not. Uh, But they are not the same uh, dimensionally as much as you would like to think. Even our biggest field around the corner. Actually, I think that one's like 400 to center
0: field, but uh,
1: it's actually shorter than Yankee Stadium in right and left field. I would know because I've given up home runs on that field before.
0: Oh man, you know, I'd make a joke about the wiffle ball league that we were in. Back when we were in college, but I remember you were actually a pretty good pitcher. Granted, you were pitching against guys who were pretty much retired from the game, and when I say retired <laughs> from the game, I mean too bad at it to go anywhere, it, it but... <laughs> well, to, okay,
1: first of all, I wasn't just good. I was really f***ing good. I won the goddamn Cy Young that year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that we voted on. Uh, secondly, part of that success was probably because after further evaluation, we were way too close to be throwing it 90 miles an hour at each other. We were 15 feet away from each other. When I looked up regulation size later, it was about 30 to 35 feet for uh, wiffle ball hounds. <laughs> Oh so uh, we we may have made an oopsie uh, when uh, we were constructing the field, but I wasn't the commissioner at that time. Uh, so you know <laughs> what? I'm not going to take the blame for that.
0: At that time, shout out to our friend Tyler for being literally Randy Johnson with a 15-foot mound, and our friend Max for being our own little Rob Manfred, the commissioner of our league. By the way, Making happy a... last locker room, Max. <laughs> happy last locker room, buddy. We still don't think you could be a commissioner, but you're just a darn nice guy.
1: I may or may not have hinted that he was a bad commissioner, um, in my uh, monologue. That <laughs> did, did you do it him. too? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did it I at did the it.
0: end. <laughs> I did it too. Oh, this poor guy's gonna hate us. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> I mean, I said nice stuff about it. Don't get me wrong. I didn't just I... put my friend on an open flame on the radio. But you know, just y- just a nice little dash of salt in there. That's all.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it all because I don't know if Max is going to listen to this. Uh, Chances are probably not unless I say, hey, Max, listen to the first five minutes of the podcast this week. Um, (laughs) But uh, I did sprinkle in a lot of nice words about our dear friend Max. So uh, I think that makes up for the shittiness of him being a wiffle ball commissioner. At any rate, we're going to be talking about (laughs) Little League Fields in the uh, near future, I guess uh probably about an hour hour and a half in our time speaking of our time we're recording at 8:45 on Sunday May 8th uh 8:45 p.m. happy late mother's day uh, it is still mother's day as we're recording so i guess happy uh belated mother's day that is the correct term if anything happens after that time period it will not be covered uh because we will not be recording at that time also go follow us on social media at the diamond duo podcast on instagram at diamond duo pod on twitter for more content from tony and i such as polls on uh various things speaking of which uh you should follow us for more uh reasons on social media but uh yeah we did have a poll this past uh week or i guess day or two in our time and that was for the teams of the month so we put up a poll to say who had the better team in the month of april tony or i and we may or may not have had a tie yet again (laughs) it was uh tony took a strong lead on instagram but twitter came back, and uh, I wiped the floor on Twitter, a.k.a. Okay, Tony didn't get a single vote, and that's what led to the tie. So, Tony just needed one more vote across any of Instagram or Twitter, and then he would have won his first poll. But I'm still undefeated, so that's what matters.
0: You see, Twitter, I, I'm i guessing this comes from my years of shitting on Twitter before I actually got an account. It's the Twitter demons are coming back to bite me. So, I, I find it very ironic. That the two times we do a team build that is monthly themed. The first one we did was back in September of 21. Now we're doing one here in January. Uh, January? Uh, for <laughs> April? It's not January. Um, yeah, we tied. So maybe May will be different when I inevitably blow Tom out of the water again. I, th- I thought I had that in the bag when I saw the Instagram poll. I'm not going to
1: lie, Tony your outfield i thought was going to carry you to victory cuz my outfield was not good outside of taylor ward your outfield trumped mine big time although i did think i won the positional battle i counted in uh i looked at the stats and i thought my team was still better overall and some people didn't see that on instagram we didn't see eye to eye anyway enough ramble for the intro of this episode episode 26 of the diamond duo podcast It is time to move into Around the Horn. If you haven't heard it before, we go over the teams that are good, the bad, the players that are also very good and very ugly, a.k.a. who's doing good right now, who's doing bad right now, and a brief explanation as to why Tony and I will go back and forth uh, shooting between uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I guess you can say, and yeah. That's how things roll on Around the Horn. Now, Tony, you've
0: said this over the past two times, so I'm going to do it this time. Let's go Around the Horn. Let's indeed. And we're going to get it started off with a team that's actually getting a bit of a redemption arc, because in our abridged Around the Horn last week, I believe we talked about the Chicago White Sox and whether or not they could bounce back from a pretty dismal April. Actually, that was two episodes ago. We talked about whether or not they could bounce back. I put my money on yes, Tom, I believe you did the same, and our pick is looking really, really good right now, because the White Sox are one of the hottest teams in the American League right now. They've won 6 straight, they are 7-3 and three in their last 10, and they're being carried by pretty much everyone, and that's something you really want to see when you're a team as deep as the White Sox are the hitting, you've got Tim Anderson and Luis Robert really breaking through, really coming out of the gate. Uh, But on the pitching side of things, Giolito is back and is pitching really well. Dylan Cease is pitching outstandingly well. And Tom, I happen to recall my Dark Horse AL Cy Young pick was Michael Kopech, to which you responded, what the f***? Yeah, my man is now making me look so good with a 3.11 ERA plus. I am just, I'm on a Cloud nine right now with all my picks so far to begin the year. Uh, but that's a story for another day. Long story short, the White Sox have been very, very good as of late. They just swept the Red Sox, actually, as uh, as of today, which, uh, trust me, we'll get to them in just a little bit. But yeah, the White Sox are finally getting production from where they needed to get it from. And now that more and more folks are getting healthy, I think this is going to be the norm for them going forward. Well, it brings me much... Su- Hang on, what is is it solace the
1: right word i'm trying to go for comfort or consolation in a time of distress or sadness yeah i guess that works (laughs) it brings me much solace to uh have to talk something good about the houston astros considering my residual burning hot hatred of burning hate for this franchise for reasons that i will not delve into in this episode as you can listen to them on previous episodes of the diamond duo podcast however the guys who are doing really well for this team are not the cheaters such as jeremy pena yeah you might not know this guy now he took over uh carlos i was gonna say carlos carrasco's jesus carlos correa's role at shortstop and he's doing tenfold better than the twins superstar right now with a 1.7 war to begin the year what the hell is going on behind him are kyle tucker and Jordan alvarez the pitching is held up For the most part in the rotation, Justin Verlander looks really good. He was my Dark Horse Cy Young pick, so that's looking pretty good for me, Tony. Ryan Presley just came back from injury, so yay for my fantasy team. I'm going to get saves. And yeah, they're 17 and 11, and they're looking pretty good. Also, their manager just hit
0: a milestone, but more on that later. All right, folks, I am about to drop. The biggest truth bomb on y'all that I don't think you're ready for. This is something that's earth shattering. Are you ready? The Dodgers and Rays are good baseball teams. Now, I know, I know you need a minute to recover from that, but you know, we don't have all day, so I'm just gonna dive right into it. I, you'll understand. The LA Dodgers. <laughs> Yeah, that brief blip in time when I believe the Giants and the Rockies were at the top of the NL West this year, uh, that's not happening anymore. The Dodgers, however, they're on a five-game win streak right now, seven and three in their last ten as well. Actually, by win percentage, they have the best record in the National League. When it comes to production, you know who you're gonna get production from. Freddie Freeman's been great, Mookie Betts has been fantastic, Cody Bellinger, his OPS Plus surprised me. He's at a 99. That's already up 50 points from last year. So good job, Cody. You're league average now. I'm proud of you. Clayton Kershaw is back to his Cy Young form, at least to start the year. He's got a uh, 1.80 ERA. He struck out 32 while only walking three. That's a 2.17 ERA plus. Uh, and oh, there's also you know some other guys in the rotation like Walker Bueller and Julio Urias. They're all right. They're pretty good. The Dodgers are a super team. And the scary thing is, they're only going to get better. And speaking of only getting better, after a brief period of time uh, towards the bottom of the AL East, uh, I think they were in third at one point. I don't think they were ever fourth. Uh, but the Tampa Bay Rays are coming back with a vengeance. They just had a six-game win streak snapped today with a loss. They're also 7-3 and three in their last 10. And they're now cemented pretty firmly into second place behind the Yankees. Uh, Where they're getting production from is actually a little less straightforward. You got Wander Franco, who's obviously having a fantastic season. You've got Yandy Diaz and Brandon Lau, who continue to be overlooked by pretty much everyone. But one guy I'm gonna zero in on right here, right now, is Manuel Margot. This guy has been on fire this past week. I believe he's got two home runs, well over 10 runs driven in, he stole two bags, and he's got a 154 OPS plus on the season. Brett Phillips called him the most underrated player in baseball. And honestly, the more you look at his numbers, the more you start to agree with him. Rays pitching, surprise, surprise, great week. Outside of that, the, much like the Dodgers, the Rays are a good baseball team. I know this is shocking for you to hear, but if you want more elaboration on that, like Tom said earlier, previous episodes of the Diamond Duel podcast, folks. These are really great teams, and uh, it shouldn't really need a lot of explaining to see why.
1: Alright, speaking of previous episodes of the Diamond Duo podcast, if you recall, uh, my sweetheart team in the postseason last year was the Milwaukee Brewers. They're 7-10, and ten, or no, 7-3 and three in their last 10, although I don't know if we can honestly include them because two of those losses came from Braves, and then the rest of the time they're beating up on the Reds, the Cubs, before that they had the Pirates, but regardless, they're clicking. Now, why are they clicking? There's some possible answers for that. One of them might be Rowdy Tellez, who has approximately one-third, or rather, who had approximately one-third of his season RBIs in one night against the Cincinnati Reds with eight, a Brewers record uh, in their 18-4 spanking of the then 3-21 and Cincinnati Reds. And uh, spoiler alert, round of applause for the Cincinnati Reds. They did not make the not uh the cold teams in around the horn this week because they actually won a series it was against the pittsburgh pirates so it's nothing really to be uh super proud of but uh regardless we're proud of you you won a series against the pirates uh yeah anyway, any rate is swinging the bat pretty well willie adamas is also doing the exact same thing picking up where he did last year and christian Yelich, how about that He's looking like his old self again, or at least a shell of his former self. The power is starting to get a little bit better. He's only got four home runs on the year, but he's looking a lot better otherwise. A 2.55 bang average isn't too bad, and a 3.42 on base percentage is pretty solid as well, but that's a lot better than where he was the last two seasons. Also, holding the Brewers down is, surprise, surprise, their pitching, led by their big three this year. Corbin Burns, no surprise, Eric Lauer, and Adrian Hauser. But you might be saying, where's Brandon Woodruff and Freddy Peralta? They both have a 5-plus ERA right now. And surprise, surprise, their bullpen is actually really good. Josh Hader still hasn't given up a run yet, and (laughs) I'm counting in my head. Seven people in their bullpen right now have an ERA, actually eight people in their bullpen right now, have an ERA of 3.52 or less. Really, really good. And most of them are in the ones or the twos.
0: All right, folks. So we are going to move now into the not uh, who's not hot right now. Normally, I wouldn't take so much joy in the fact that this team is doing so, so poorly. But with how much trash was talked in the offseason, with how much how many fingers were pointed at the Yankees and laughed at for their offseason acquisitions, it brings me joy beyond joy to report that the Boston Red Sox have the worst record in the American League. No, 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 not the American League East. The American League. The Tigers and Orioles are running circles around the Red Sox to start the season. Oh my god, folks, you want to talk about a nightmare start to the season? Try a 10-19 record. Try one of the worst run differentials in all of baseball. That's including National League teams too, folks. Try a hitting core that is absolutely barren outside of Devers and Bogarts uh, and Martinez. Try a Trevor Story acquisition who's been doing nothing but striking out and putting up horrible slugging. His slugging is 281. He has a 65 OPS+. Plus, I was upset when the Yankees didn't get him, but I I truly don't think he remains this bad, but oof. The Red Sox pitching, the least said the better. Uh, Nick Pavetta is still hot garbage. Nathan Ivaldi is really carrying the freight right now. Their bullpen is next level horrible. Folks, here's a challenge for you. Go to Twitter every time the Red Sox put in Matt Barnes and take a shot every time you see someone complaining about him. If you drink alcohol, you will be hammered, wasted, gone within two minutes. I guarantee you. The season right now for the Red Sox is what I like to call a Murphy's Law season. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Red Sox fans have lost all faith in Heim Bloom, and a stat that I read out to Tom earlier if this keeps up, Heim Bloom, in his first three years as the Red Sox czar, will have two out of three last place finishes. The three GMs that came before him have won a championship within the first three years. I'm going to pass the baton to Tom for the next one, but Red Sox. Wow, get your together. Thank you, Tony, for throwing it to me to
1: talk about another miserable franchise. Now, a moment of silence for our good, good friend, Jack Halstead. Thank you. Because his Detroit Tigers are 8-19 and to start the year, the worst team in the American League Central. And yes, this is the division with the Kansas City Royals still in it. The Royals are two games better than the Tigers at the time of this recording, And it's not hard to see why if you're a Detroit fan. You thought things would start clicking, right? Well, that's not the case. Spencer Torkelson is having a little bit of trouble adjusting to the big league level. Only has a 173 batting average. But that doesn't even pale in comparison to Tony's um, namesake of his fantasy team, Jonathan Scope, with a 128 batting average and a whopping 7 OPS+. That's right. Single digits. Tony drank... Some water right there, and I think it just came back
0: out. <laughs> hey, uh, we're going to need confirmation on that. I think Tony just choked. No water came out of my mouth, although I did not expect OPS Plus to be that low. I started laughing when you brought up my fantasy team. I was not ready to hear his OPS Plus. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: Well, well, it doesn't get that much better from here, folks, because Akil Badu only has a 149 batting average. Uh, Austin Meadows, though, is leading this team pretty well um, with a uh, very respectable 284, 376 batting average on base clip. Um, Also, fun fact, the Tigers have played more games than home runs they've hit as a team this year with 11 home runs they've hit this year, and they have played 19 and 8 is 27. So, yeah, they probably wanted to get the power numbers up. Also, all of their starters outside Michael Pineda and Tariq Skubal are looking bad, and that includes Casey Mize, of course, the uh, prodigy for them. Their bullpen is looking very good, though. Yeah, when you've lost five straight games, granted four of them went to a very good Houston Astros team, but one of them was also against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So when you've lost five straight games, that's not looking good. Like, things are expected to go better, Detroit in the future, but everybody expected a lot more in the present.
0: All right, I hope you folks enjoyed hearing me uh rag on one New York team's rival, because guess what? I'm going to double down and talk about another one. The Philadelphia Phillies were given a lot of credit in the offseason, and they've yet to live up to it. I mean, you look at this team up and down, and it's kind of funny because they're running into the same problems that they always do. Folks, you know where I'm going with this. The Phillies pitching has just not gotten better. And I don't know how many times we can keep saying this, because, Tom, I was literally thinking to myself last night, how many times have the Phillies put a team on the field with the ultimate intention of competing, going for a playoff spot, going for a World Series, and then putting that bullpen together? Putting that pitching staff together? It's almost embarrassing at this point. I mean, on paper, the pitching staff really shouldn't be that bad. You know, Aaron Nola's having a better season than he did last year. Kyle Gibson's off to a really good start. And even Corey Kniebel, for the most part, has been a reliable enough closer. Unfortunately for them, Zach Wheeler can't play God like he did last year. The Ranger Suarez experiment has gone horribly wrong. And Zach Eflin is still his pitifully average self. He's got an 80-80 RA+. What else do you want from him? And again, rest of the bullpen just can't hold the load. Trust me, folks. I would go deeper into this bullpen now. But I assure you, with every fiber of my being, we're gonna do that later. Well, a team that was once
1: very hot and even made our hot teams list is now on the receiving end of the not list, and that is the Seattle Mariners, primarily because they are 2-8 and eight in their last 10, including a six-game losing streak to the Astros and the Rays. Yikes. Again, this is a team meant for the future, but there's very high aspirations in the now most of their lineup is actually doing fairly decent i will tell you who's not a certain left fielder that we'll be talking about in a little bit julio rodriguez who's getting better and he does have nine stolen bases which i believe leads the league jared collect Kale- oh he's got 10 i'm sorry baseball reference uh says nine my apologies uh jared kalenic who is yet to find his groove up in the big leagues and abraham toro who once we thought was a very good pickup from the houston astros well that might be better left in last season now their rotation is actually looking pretty solid too matt brash was sent down because of his 765 era but there was a certain prospect that was brought up in his place more on that in the later part of the episode uh prize acquisition robbie ray has a 438 era that's not good to begin the year And their bullpen is miserable outside of Eric Swanson, who's yet to give up a run in 12 innings pitched. Highlighted by Diego Castillo, their closer, or at least that's what it says on baseball reference, with a great ERA of 7.2.
0: Well, Tom, the good news for the Mariners is there exists a far worse team in their division that is pretty much their safety blanket from falling to fifth place. And you probably only need one guess to get it right, folks. It's the Oakland A's, the final team in our not section. And what this really comes down to is they've fallen back down to earth. If you remember, they actually started off the year hitting pretty well. They won quite a few games, and they relegated the Texas Rangers to last place for uh, for the longest time. But the adverse side effect of spending $0 in the offseason... Is finally starting to rear its ugly head of the starting lineup that baseball reference has up Only four are considered above league average everyone else is listed as below average by ERA plus uh, pardon me OPS plus and the pitching staff Sands Frankie Montas Paul Blackburn and a surprise out of nowhere closer in Danny Jimenez Has been pretty forgettable the A's this isn't really a what the A's are bad We put them in this segment more to just say, well, the the ride's over. It was fun while it lasted, but it's very much done now. You want to know how I know it's done? Nine game losing streak. One and nine in their last ten. And I believe the third worst, yeah, the third worst record in the American League. Good job, Oakland. All right, so that is all the hot
1: and not teams. Now to do all the hot and not players. Now I'm going to take all the hot players. Tony's going to take the not players. And I'm going to start off with the guy who was on Tony's team of the month and was one of my possible third basemen that I was going to take. And quite frankly, if we're doing teams of the month this week, I probably would have taken him over Nolan Arenado. And that is Manny Machado, who in 28 games has 2.6 war on the season already. Jesus. He leads the league in runs, hits, batting average, OBP, OPS, and OPS+. A fantastic start to the season for Manny Machado. Just go look on Baseball Reference if you want to see all of his numbers stacked up to the rest of the league and stacked in comparison to the rest of the San Diego Padres batting lineup because the rest of the lineup outside Eric Cosmer is doing jack shit. So, yeah, he stands out like a sore thumb here. All righty, our next player in the hot category deserves a hearty welcome back to the big leagues. That is Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, In his first eight games, he's got eight hits, two home runs, four RBIs, and one of those home runs, he fell over when he hit it to dead center field. Only a .250 batting average, a .333 OBP. He does have three stolen bases, which I find extremely impressive given he's recovered. Just recovered, rather, from a torn ACL injury. So these might not be eye-popping numbers, necessarily, but he's starting off his season pretty damn well for somebody who just pretty much was out of baseball for the past almost a year at this rate. All right, next up is the only pitcher we've gotten hot this week, and that is Kevin Gossman. A 1.0 war to begin the year, and he's looking really good for Toronto. Tony may have been onto something when, uh... He put him as his Cy Young choice. Three and one record, a two thirteen ERA. I think the most impressive thing though is he has 46 strikeouts to a single walk. Unless I was changed today and it wasn't
0: an updated on baseball reference, but I see one walk. Alright, so now it's my turn to breeze through the who's not hot category, and we're gonna kick things off with a certain individual who was welcomed back to the field after doing some Pretty despicable things off of it and he is celebrating his welcome tour by now doing pretty despicable things on it It's Marcel Ozuna and he actually got off to a pretty nice start. He clubbed Uh, I know he clubbed two home runs in a game now. He has four total on the season But as of late, it's it's just not clicking for him He's got a negative point war on the year So he's actually costing his team more than he is helping them That's definitely attributed to a 75 OPS+, plus. also attributed to the times the Braves play him in the field for whatever godforsaken reason. The National League has a DH now, guys. His average is almost below 200. His on pace is 256 at the time of recording this. Yeah, not ideal. Now, circling back to a guy Tom foreshadowed earlier on the Seattle Mariners, a big reason they're doing so poorly now is because trade acquisition Jesse Winker kind of forgot how to hit. It's really unfortunate, because you see, you look at his stats last year with the Reds, he was one of the best pure hitters in baseball. He finished with the highest OPS plus of his career with 141. Now, that's shrunk down to just 82. Uh, Granted, he does lead the American League in walks, which is something I can appreciate. Even with his 194 batting average, his OBP is still above 300, which, good job, Jesse, you at least... You understand the values of Moneyball. But other than that, there's not really much to say about his game. He's making consistently weak contact. He hit his first home run of the season this week, and he was always not the best left fielder. And now that poor defense is really showing its head now that the bat isn't there to compensate for it. Now, the one pitcher we're going to talk about in the not category is every White Sox fan's favorite player. Shout out our good friend, Max Sacco. It's Dallas Keuchel. This is a guy who, even though the White Sox are in the hot category, it feels like they're winning in spite of what Dallas has been doing to start the year. A negative .8 war, yikes. What's even more yikes is an, wow, an 8.4 ERA, with a FIP of 681, FIP-filled-independent-pitching, the independent pitching, which, <laughs> you can't even chalk it up to, oh, he, he's just unlucky. He's really not that unlucky. He's just horrible this year. His whip is 2.333. He's barely striking anyone out anymore. He's giving up way too many walks. Dallas Keuchel is probably a contender for the worst qualified starter in baseball right now. If he's not already there, he's most certainly up there. So with that being said, we're all done with Around the Horn. Why don't we move straight into our first trivia question? Now, this trivia question will be mine to get to Tom, and this is totally not something that I found uh, two minutes before we started the show.
1: Well, that's okay, Tony, because mine was the exact same way. In fact, I think I found my answer. I had to figure out my answer. It took me like 15 minutes to find the answer. I knew what I wanted my question to be. It took me 15 minutes to find the answer, and I think I found mine later than... You found yours, so don't feel any slack.
0: Well, the important thing is we've got our questions now. So, without any further ado, let's get right into it. I can't wait to watch Tom get stumped again, because this one's not this one's not hard like hard hard, but it might trick it might slip you up a bit. Let's see. So, this question has to do with Cardinals ace Adam Wainwright, and huh, kind of fitting. We're going to be talking about the Cardinals later in this show, and Adam Wainwright in particular, but. His most recent start against the Kansas City Royals saw him throw seven scoreless innings and allowing only one hit. Now, Tom, what I want to ask you, other than Adam Wainwright in this past start, who are the other pitchers who are age 40 or older to have thrown seven scoreless innings, allowing one run or less? I do
1: have three people that I would like to throw out immediately and they are Roger Clemens, Nolan Ryan, and Randy Johnson, because I believe both, all three of them, were still technically in their primes when they reached the age of 40. Well,
0: I have good news and bad news. Uh, The good news is you got Randy Johnson. Mm -hmm. I believe he did this when he was throwing his perfect game because he did so uh, well into his 40s. Unfortunately, other two are incorrect. I'm honestly really shocked at that
1: because Clemens... uh, Used them roids well into his (laughs) forties, and I I figured Nolan Ryan was the lock to be honest because he
0: he's like a timeless like missile on the mound. There's two more, and clarification: I believe the reason Nolan Ryan's not on this list is because it's strictly seven innings. Because I believe Ryan threw a no hitter when he was over forty. Like, granted, this is a list I this is a stat I found on Twitter from Jason Catania, Jason Catania. That's why Nolan Ryan's not on this list. So technically he would
1: make the list if the question were actually asked correctly.
0: So I'll give you a half point because I'm, I'm pretty sure Nolan Ryan did this. I don't think Clemens did, but...
1: So they have to have only gone seven innings giving up one hit. It can't be they've taken it any further. It has to be seven innings and only one hit.
0: I'm guessing it's either that or just if they allowed a hit, it's only one. So yeah, two more, and it's not Nolan Ryan for some reason. Both of these guys, I think you know. I'll say that. They're not like some dead ball guys. Are they more modern guys? Can I ask that? They both pitched in the 21st century. Okay, okay. So that narrows it down. Let's go Greg Maddox, because he pitched into Ooh, the 2000s. That's a good guess, but it's not him. Alright, well then, that sucks. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, I might as well throw out Jamie Moyer while we're out there, because dude pitched till he was like 50 or something like that. He's actually one of them. I figured. I'm assuming he did this when he was with Seattle.
0: I don't know when he did it. I could actually look this up. I'm curious now. But his most popular, or not most popular, but biggest points in his career came with the Mariners. I wouldn't be surprised. The last guy, I'll give you a bit of a hint because it's not super obvious. Sure. Let's just say, as a Yankee fan, you might have seen this guy pitch more than other parts of the country that's not me saying he's a yankee fan but he might have come across the yankees once or twice in his career there's one dead giveaway hint i could give you if you know your yankees history if you don't then i'll just be really sad with you could have pitched for you know a rival or someone else in their division also known as a rifle
1: <laughs> well i figured i figured it would, it would probably end up being a red sock uh to be quite honest with you Oh wait, wait
0: a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about Tim Wakefield? Ding, ding, ding. What do we have for him, Johnny? Uh, well, nothing other than a sense of pride. And I feel like I gave way too many hints anyway. The dead obvious hint I was gonna give you, if you like really gave up, I was gonna say, think two thousand three. Think like, think Aaron Boone. <laughs> oh, that would have been a dead
1: giveaway. Think Aaron <laughs> Boone. <laughs> Oh I so, Yeah, I, I, I figured it was a Red Sox. I just had to mm-hmm. think like who it was. And then Tim Wakefield came to memory because I remembered his old ass trying to pitch and he would get clobbered
0: back when he was like on that rotation in 2011. And he put up like a five ERA. And I'm like, what? How'd this happen? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's old as sh And Can't pitch anymore. I don't know. Maybe start there. Maybe he only had one pitch to
1: rely on for most of his career, and uh, (laughs) when he tried to throw anything else, he'd get shelled. Damn.
0: Tough. Tough conundrum there. I wonder how the 2011 Red Sox uh, worked that out. Surely it's a happy ending. (laughs) Oh, surely. Um, (laughs) Either way. Yep. Jamie Moyer, Tim Wakefield, and Randy Johnson. He did play in 2009. Oh, this was the last time. This was the last time, not the only time. Okay, so technically you were right, but I just worded the question wrong. So I'll just throw that in there right now.
1: So it all happened in 2009. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, you know what? Good for you. I, I worded the question wrong, and you still got it right. So good on you. Woo! Now for my time to stump you. But that time will come
1: later in the episode, because we've got to move first through our major stories, and we have quite a few to go through. First... I think we should start with the story that had baseball Twitter probably talking the most this week. And that is going to be Mr. Dan Bellino. Now, why did um, Dan Bellino, uh trend on Twitter? Well, as I so eloquently put in the rundown. Umpires continue Joe West's legacy on In Retirement, dot dot dot. By making games about themselves. So if you hadn't seen this before, Dan Bellino was conducting a um, check on Mass and Baumgartner for sticky substances after his one inning that he, the first inning that he pitched in his most recent start. Now I believe Mad Bum was getting into it with another umpire, and Bellino was just the one that was doing the check. Bellino did more than just check. He stared deeply inside Madison Bumgarner's soul. So much so that um, Madison Bumgarner pretty much told him, what the hell is wrong with you? And not to also mention, he was massaging his hand for probably about 10 seconds, give or take, which is about um, 10 seconds more than an umpire needs to usually do. So everybody was pissed off because Madison Bumgarner was ejected from the game for arguing, and meanwhile, Bellino was not punished at all From this incident, much to everyone's dismay, obviously for union reasons, uh, but still to everyone's dismay. Now, Tony, on the creepiness scale, where would you rate Dan Bellino's look into Madison Bumgarner's eyes?
0: Well, let's see. Hmm. On a scale from
1: one to... We we can do a one through ten scale, like one being not so creepy, ten being you're a full-blown, like, criminal in terms of how creepy you are. (laughs)
0: So yeah, let's use 1 to 10. For me, hmm. I think this is a solid like eight, if only because, you know, it could be worse. It could be worse. He could've he could have been talking to him, you know, whispering sweet nothings into Mad Bum's ear as he slowly caressed his palm, like, folks, please look up this video. It's so funny just to watch this umpire. He's not even checking for sticky stuff, he's just rubbing his hand, looking deeply into Mad Bum's eyes, waiting for him to look up. I trust me, as funny as this is, and it's so funny to watch people put, like, Careless Whisper, the saxophone from Careless Whisper over this.
1: <laughs> but I, w- I wanted to put Drake's opening verse, I forget what song it is, but it goes, I got my eyes on you. I wanted to <laughs> the video clip that over it, but uh, I didn't have the time to do that.
0: Oh, we should have put that on social media. And Next time, next time a pitcher's hand gets caressed. We have that idea now. <laughs> yes. As funny as this is, Twitter exploded with the idea that this is basically a microcosm of everything folks don't like about umpires. Not only did he get the call wrong, but he was looking for trouble. This is not just an umpire that's, you know, like Angel Hernandez, just head up his ass, wrong call after wrong call after wrong call. Not only do you want to make the game about yourself in that way, you want to turn the attention to yourself even more by saying, hey, Madison, look me in the eye, tell me me something that will let me eject you. Madison obliges, he throws him out, and, uh, like I said, Twitter explodes. Now, Bellino caught a lot of flack for this. I think that goes without saying. but <laughs> You think? The one, <laughs> just a little bit, but the <laughs> one thing that actually sets him apart from other umpires who pull this crap is Bellino actually apologized. He released a statement, I believe it was through ESPN. Mm-hmm. I saw a Buster only post about it, and I saw John Boy forwarded it as well basically just owning up to it, you know. I believe one line he actually said in there was one of the first things, it is Buster only perfect. One of the first things I was taught when I started on this job, this is him talking, was to always ump as if my kids were in the front row. And that's really good advice. And unfortunately for Dan, he forgot it that day. But he was at least cognizant enough to own up to that and at least assure in writing that he would do what he can to better himself. Because at the end of the day, umpires are still people umpires make mistakes but the as much as the mistakes piss us off this pisses us off more when the umpire makes the game about themselves there's literally a twitter page called welcome to the ump show and it posts (laughs) like this when the umpires just stand in the spotlight for themselves so and you can i was gonna say you can believe this
1: uh twitter account is updated pretty much hourly at this rate. I was going to say daily, but that
0: would be a understatement. That it's hourly. That's uh there. Fantastic. <laughs> but nevertheless, Dambolino, I just like I said, I think a microcosm is a good word for this because it's a microcosm of how widespread horrible umpiring has been this year. There was that game Angel Hernandez called with the Mets and the Phillies. There's been the horrible strike zone that Julio Rodriguez has had his entire career so far. I, Tom, I think this opens a discussion. We talked about this before the show. This really, I I think at least, this should be the incident that really starts a movement of two things. One is umpires actually taking accountability for their They're not going to be Angel Hernandez and laugh in their car as someone's jeering at them like a prick. (laughs) And number two, some semblance of a punishment system for umpires. Now this is obviously going to be, you know, a monumental task to bring into the game it's probably not even on the mind of anybody in the game right now because of the umpires union it's the reason angel hernandez is not fired it's the reason we don't see how many times have i said angel hernandez in this segment it's the reason we don't see umps demoted what's that i was gonna say i don't know if you've said it more in this
1: segment or your slam poem that you had to recite like (laughs) two weeks ago
0: You know what? That poem has ingrained this man's likeness into my head now. Thanks for that, Tom. Really, really appreciate that. Oh, no problem, buddy. But No, I want to toss it to you about this whole mess now, because trust me, folks, if you follow baseball, you saw what he did. You saw how he reacted. Should this sort of be the next step? Because umpiring in baseball cannot stay this way. And if it's not Robo-Ump's, maybe this is the way to do it. Well, quite frankly, we should have had this like some sort of accountability
1: system be put in place a number of years ago i don't want to bring up angel hernandez again but do you remember that playoff game in like 2018 where the yankees got shelled at home angel hernandez literally had like three or four of his calls challenged and guess what i believe they were all overturned and one of them i remember wasn't even close i remember hating watching that game but i only kept watching it so that way i could see how many more Angel Hernandez could have, and I was laughing having the time of my life at that point. Meanwhile, the Yankees were getting spanked on national TV, but that's besides the point. There needs to be some sort of accountability. At least apologize. I At least give Dambolino credit for that. Unfortunately, it kind of screws up. Like, the apology is great and all, but it really doesn't solve any problems, especially because it hampers the Diamondbacks and Madison Bumgardner. For multiple days and possibly result in loss after loss. Not that it really matters because it's the Arizona Diamondbacks, but still, if this happened to a really good team such as the Dodgers and they were without Walker Bueller, they had to burn through their bullpen and they ended up losing three games in a row. That could be a difference in the division race come September, and you'd have to look back on this incident and be like, that was Dan Bellino's fault why we lost three games, and now we have to play a wild card game just to try and get back into the playoffs. At least that's how it used to be. Now I think their system's a little bit different. But I believe the KBO does this, or at least other, like, sports leagues around the world, they do have an accountability system for umpires where they can be fired for poor performances and stuff like this. Now, I believe the MLB has some sort of... I don't know what type of grading system they're on because they gave Angel Hernandez, like, a 96, I'm pretty sure. I hate bringing him up again. Take a shot... Every time we've said Angel Hernandez a segment, you're probably dead by now. But to give him like a 96, even though many of his calls were out of the strike zone, clearly. I don't know if they had widened the strike zone or what the hell the problem was, but whatever their grading system is, it sucks. And umpires at least need to stick up and stand behind their actions and take responsibility for when they mess up, or there needs to be a system in place that the umpire's union can somehow agree to, which I don't think would ever happen because, well, it's a union. I don't know how you're going to be able to pass this in a union, quite frankly, especially the umpire's union that has gained a lot of, like, traction over the years and years and years. It'd be pretty tough to take down. Not that I'm anti-union or anything, but I'm just saying people need to have punishment for poor performances. If it affects a team for multiple games... It should affect that umpire's paycheck for multiple games. Or maybe he has to take a timeout for multiple games.
0: To me, it's common sense. You're poor at your job, you get reprimanded. There's nothing anti-union about that. We're not asking you to fire anybody for no reason. If you're bad at your job, you need to be treated like it. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. We're not just pointing our fingers at umpires because, ooh, f*** you, we hate you. We're doing this because, we say this because, frankly, they give us reason to. It sucks, and I really hate that they continuously give us reasons to do, to rag on them, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe Robotums will come and fix all this, or maybe we'll pine for the days when we could scream at Ron Culpa, or Joe West, or Joe West is retired. I just am trying to think of names to not say Angel <laughs> Hernandez again, and I brought up the guy who's retired. Uh, you can say C.B. Buckner. You can include him on that list. Ooh, that's a good one, too. C.B. Buckner. Oh, my God. I'll... Was was that C.B. Buckner who called the strike on Brett Gardner at Angel Stadium in, like, 09, that Joe Girardi almost had a heart attack? That 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 was Laz Diaz. Laz Diaz. That was him.
1: But uh, C.B. Buckner has had many a times where he's ejected somebody, and they've gone irate at C.B.
0: You're right. Well, oh my god. Umpires just seem to be getting worse and worse every year. We will, trust me, the next time some crap like this happens, oh god, you'll hear it here on the Time and Duo podcast. (laughs) See, but... I real quickly before we move on, I don't know if this
1: mm-hmm. was you who said this conspiracy theory or I read it on the internet, most likely mm-hmm. the internet. Somebody said that maybe umpires are making themselves look piss poor right now and making headlines. So that way, when the day robot umps come, which could be in the near future, because again, they've been testing it out for a number of years now in the minor leagues and the Atlantic League, shout out Long Island Ducks, that the robot ump rise will come. And they're going to, the conspiracy theory was that we're going to hype up robot umpires only for us to hate them immediately and then beg for human umpires back. And it's almost like, yeah, that's right. You shouldn't have been complaining about this the whole time. I just wanted to throw that out there because of how stupid I think that conspiracy theory really is (laughs) (laughs) because no matter how much that might, that could be true in the future, I root for the human umps that do a good job. I don't give a sh- about the ones that do a terrible job, such as A.H., because I don't feel like saying his name again, H. like, <laughs> at this rate. So, I don't know why that came to mind, but I just wanted to throw that out there.
0: I was wondering where you were going with that, like, don't tell me you agree with this, don't tell me you agree with this. Oh,
1: God, no, I don't but... agree with
0: that. Like, at some point, there might be robo-umps
1: to do the strike zone in the MLB, And that's fine. That comes with its pros and cons. But, uh, I don't know. That that was a little too far-fetched.
0: Also, shout-out to AH, basically the Voldemort of this channel now. He is now he... (laughs) This channel, this podcast. He is now he who shall not be named. From here on (laughs) out. Anyway, enough about umpires. Umpires, they got way too much... They get way too much of the spotlight as it is. Let's not give them any more of our show. Let's give the spotlight to someone who the Mets... (laughs) really gave the spotlight to for the past, you know, four-something years for not really doing a whole ton. And thanks to Steve Cohen, they don't have to anymore. What I am in a very roundabout way talking about is Robinson Cano, Yankees legend and former Mets legend. Because as of this past week, ladies and gentlemen, in the roster crunch, Robinson Cano has been cut. Now from a purely baseball perspective just take out the contract he was signed to take out the fact that there are guys on the bench like you know Dom Smith or Travis Jankowski who aren't you know all stars they're not amazing players but they're still going to offer you more on the field than Robinson Cano is in the year of our lord 2022 you know when Cano is i think he's he's 40 now right oh no he's actually 39 but Robinson Cano's numbers this year with the Mets he played in 12 games he hit 195 with a 233 on base and a 268 slugging. If he was still playing right now, he would be in the not category every single week. His only extra base hit actually was one home run. Oh my god. Dude doesn't have the wheels anymore to hit doubles. And nevertheless, if you're looking at these numbers and you're looking at that contract, I think it's safe to assume, and folks on Twitter were worrying about this. Folks in the Mets clubhouse were were worried about this, that someone much younger and much better than Cano was going to be cut so that they wouldn't just have to eat Cano's salary, you know, pay however many millions for him to not play. That might have been something that Jeff Wilpon would have done, you know, maybe save some money or use your money, I suppose, wisely, quote-unquote. I'm using air quotes even though this is a podcast. Fortunately for the Mets, Billy Epler, made the right decision, as Steve Cohen called it verbatim, the baseball decision. And Robinson Cano was designated for assignment and officially released not too long ago. I believe it was today or yesterday. It It, it was was today, I believe. It was today. So Robinson Cano's 169-game tenure with the New York Mets is officially over. And Tom, what I want to throw to you is his career
1: over. See, I really hate talking crap about Robbie Cano because he was my boy when he was a Yankee and he could have been a Yankee for life if he wanted to. He just had to take a uh, cheaper contract and then uh, he'd still be in pinstripes possibly right now. Would he have gotten plucked for steroids twice? Eh, I don't know, but there's a decent shot at that. Because of the whole steroid thing and his piss-poor numbers as a 39-year-old, Yeah, I honestly do believe this could be the end of his career. Now, people are floating rumors out there that, hey, maybe he can join the Red Sox. Maybe he can join, I don't know, the Phillies or just somebody who's in need of a left-handed bat in general. Maybe even a veteran presence in the clubhouse to help mentor some of the younger players, you know, teach them the ways of winning. But he hasn't done a whole lot of that ever since he left the Yankees, so I don't know where I'm going with that. But granted, he can't he can barely run anymore if he couldn't even hit a double this year. Maybe that was just a testament to how slow his mechanics have become. So he still owed forty-five million dollars on his contract. So maybe this maybe this will be a Bobby Vanilla situation. But granted, I don't think it will because Steve Cohen can pay that to him and he'll have forty-five million more dollars by tomorrow evening. I do honestly believe this is going to be the end of Robbie Cano. It's not the great way to go out. But, honestly, was he even going to have a good way after, again, getting plucked twice for steroids, having his reputation tarnished? His Hall of Fame credentials pretty much, in my opinion, probably wiped out the window at this rate, especially because he got that second suspension. Maybe the first suspension, maybe people would give him a little bit of leeway, but I, I I hate to say it, but I think this is it for Robbie.
0: You see, this is one of the times, Tom, where I hate to agree with you, and I hate to agree with you. On two fronts. One, that he's done. Just, his game is all off. His defense at second base has ossified. He's horrible there now. He's a DH at best, and frankly, I don't know any team desperate enough to pick him up. And number two, that he's not a Hall of Famer. I think that's obvious. And trust me, Tom, you and I both watched him growing up. You and I both saw him, you know, come into form when the Yankees won the World Series in 09. And really start to become one of the best second basemen in the game. It was argued for a while, oh, who's the second baseman of the 2010s? Is it Cano or is it Altuve? And it's kind of ironic that both of them are now mired in controversy. <laughs> but at the same time, you can't really put Cano in that conversation anymore because of how much he helped himself to steroids. So he's not going to be forgotten. That's set in stone. Like, if you're a Yankee fan, if you're a Mariners fan, f- even if you're a Mets fan, Robbie Cano is a player that. Throughout his long walk through the game, his 17-year career, he's not going to be forgotten. And just in case you needed another reason to not forget him, should this be the end of his career, he will finish with a 69.1 career war. That is all I will say. If so... only he had
1: played a little bit longer and lost .1. Then the, world, <laughs> then the baseball world may forgive him and would put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, If only that were the case, but now we could talk about Robbie Cano all day, but we have two more stories that we would like to talk about with the Mets, and the first of which is an embarrassing story, but not for the Mets, and not for Robbie Cano. It's for the Philadelphia Phillies, because they allowed a six-run comeback in the ninth inning just recently in one of their games now tony you probably know the situation maybe a little bit better than i do i believe this was a 15 pitch outing in which the mets scored all the runs necessary to come back and win this ball game and it's all because of that cherished cherished ever so treasured Phillies bullpen that dave dombrowski has constructed for this team spent so, I don't even want to say so much in the offseason on it, but they at least tried to improve it. And yet, here we are again talking crap about their bullpen for another year.
0: So, let's break this game down a little bit, and I really do mean a little bit because we need to get moving. Taiwan Walker starts for the Mets. Uh, let's up seven runs. Ouch. Big, just monumental, major ouch. Huge black eye on the Mets starter ERA, which otherwise has been fantastic. The Mets are all but written out of this game. ESPN's win pro, uh, wind projector has the Phillies at 99% going into the ninth inning with a 7-1 lead. And mind you, Tony Puglisi, yours truly, is flipping between the channels watching the Mets game and playoff hockey. Because the Yankees were not playing that day, and I figured, alright, you know, the Rangers are playing. Uh, I think the Avalanche were playing too, and playoff hockey is fun. So I figure, okay, the Mets are out of this, I'm not going to watch the ninth inning, it's fine. Oh, the chagrin I felt in my soul when I kept getting updates from MLB's app. Oh, Marcana singles, such and such scores. The Mets now trail, you know, seven to three. All right, they're putting up a little effort. You know, Starling Marte doubles. The Mets now trail seven to five. Oh my God, is this really happening? Or that was Nemo? Then Starling Marte doubles and brings home the go-ahead run. And I think it was at this point that the entirety of baseball exploded. Every last individual who cares about baseball was either clowning on the Phillies, clowning on the Phillies, or clowning on the Phillies. I, this right here, as Joe Girardi put it, his most embarrassing loss with the Phillies, the toughest pill to swallow. And honestly, Joe, we agree with you, buddy. I, uh, his tenure in Philadelphia has not been one for the ages as of late. I don't know. Maybe he's a double agent trying to screw Philly over from 2009 up until today. But I don't know, man. That kind of a loss is inexcusable. Like I kind of hinted at it earlier in the "Who's Not" segment. Oh my God, Philadelphia! What happened to you? Like when I said Corey Knebel was the mostly reliable closer out of that pen. Huh. Yeah, he he picked that day to blow a save to royally f- it up. Imagine a. Imagine a double gut punch in back-to-back weeks. The
1: Mets no-hit the Phillies, and then they come back and do this win. I just thought of that. I'm like, light bulb. This is a defining moment. Oh, my God, the Phillies season. And we're not even through May, and I, I already know this Phillies team is probably outed at this rate. And I'm not blaming Joe Girardi, even though he said that loss is embarrassing. Maybe he shouldn't have gone to Kniebel, but as Tony alluded to, who's their most reliable piece? I'm blaming whoever built this roster, Dave Dombrowski, and uh, their owner, whose name I forget, for investing heavily into this f- best of a bullpen. They sp- they spent all their money pretty much on the offense this offseason, which they did need some help. I will give them that. And they acquired two of the best bats on the market. I would say you need to trade your farm for, like, an adequate bullpen now, but what farm do they have to trade for an adequate bullpen now or even in the future? Because they're so mediocre that they don't even get a top pick in the draft, and they can't really develop anything. They'd have to trade good pieces away to try and acquire something good in
0: return. It's like an impossible situation right now. I think the text I sent to you and Nicolette Tom was, and I quote, When the Phillies' star-studded bullpen spearheaded by Jerry's Familia, Brad Hand, and Gory Knievel blows up in their faces, followed by the surprised Pikachu face, which I... (laughs) I was suspect about these moves going into the year, and... (sighs) I'm being proven right. It's kind of sad how bad the Phillies have been, but you know what? I'm gonna give some props to the Mets. A couple years ago, they were on the receiving end of a spanking like this at the hands of the Nationals. So you know what, Mets? Good job. You've turned your fortunes around. For as much as people hate on the Phillies and trash them, you deserve some credit here. That's a lot of fight in you. And you got a lot of people, myself included, to believe in you a little bit more. So you know what? Good job, Mets. I don't say that too often, but good job. Alright. So trust me folks, we could clown on the Phillies all day. With their week, with the way their week is gone. But we've still got some stories to get through, and this next sort of umbrella topic is just the fact that a lot of milestones were reached not too long ago. So I'm just going to rattle through some of them really quick. Tom and I, we can bounce. Tom and I are going to bounce some of them off each other because some went under the radar, some less so than others, but two of them I mentioned in the trivia question, we'd be talking about the Cardinals. Here it is. Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, in the same game where Wainwright threw seven scoreless, they tied the all-time record with 202 wins as a battery, which they already are on the hunt to reach Mickey Lolich and Bill Freehand for the most games, period, as a battery. That's a nice little milestone, as they're on the way to that. They could definitely reach the latter this year, I think anyway, provided they both stay healthy. But... Amazing achievement for one of the greatest batteries of all time, and now it's pretty much cemented. One more win with Wainwright at the helm is a shoe-in. It's a guarantee at this rate. So congratulations to them, and yet another congratulations to Yadier Molina, who recently crossed the 1,000 RBI marker. He is the 8th catcher in MLB history with 1,000 RBI and 2,000 career hits elite list he's a part of and all the more reason that a lot of people myself included believe Yadi's going to be a hall of famer one day if you're a fan of counting stats which a lot of hall of fame voters are wink wink a thousand rbi is a huge milestone to cross congrats again to Yachty Amelina so Tom why don't you take the back half of these milestones because we actually have two more
1: sure I will Tony and the first of which is Miggy Now, he reached another milestone. He had had hit number 3,000 just a few weeks ago, and he had another milestone that pretty much tacks onto his 3,000th hit. He collected his 600th double of his career, and with his 3,000 hits and 500-plus home runs, he becomes the third player in MLB history with a tandem of 600 doubles, 3,000 hits, and 500 career home runs home runs joining Hank Aaron and Albert Pujols two names in baseball history that are so small and minuscule they are often overlooked and oh oh, wait Tony I have to take a sip of water why don't you talk about your
0: favorite manager (laughs) 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 I thought there was actually a mistake I'm like oh god I misspelled something didn't I no I just want you to talk about your favorite manager of all time (laughs) well folks the greatest regular season manager currently in baseball, at least not named Tony La Russa, (laughs) one of the best managers on the field when it's not the playoffs. I'll stop taking digs at him because he's a Hall of Famer at this rate. Astros manager Dusty Baker, who I make jokes about all the time, but he, with this achievement, has pretty much enshrined his career to be in Cooperstown at some point after his retirement. Dusty Baker has officially won 2,000 games as a manager. He is the 12th to ever do it, and the first black manager to ever do it, so kudos to you, Dusty. I make fun of your playoff track record all the time, but 2,000 regular season wins is absolutely nothing to sniff at. If the ring is the only thing keeping him out of Cooperstown now, as someone who frequently makes fun of him him for that, that's a bullsh** excuse. His regular season success, at this point, is unparalleled. Given his playing career and his managing career, you gotta put him in. So... Yeah, a couple nice week from Milestones we had this week. I Frankly, Tom, you put the Dusty Baker one in there. It's not out of, like, it's not out of, like, huh, I don't want to talk about Dusty Baker. I genuinely forgot, because <laughs> I saw the Cardinals just add a few, and obviously Miggy's was going around like crazy. But no, definitely good to see from some of the old guard. Yeah, I was perfectly content talking about Dusty Baker, but then I realized, hmm,
1: this is Tony's guy. So, you know, I want him to take the reins here. <laughs> But, I mean, kudos to all of these guys for uh, reaching their numbers. I mean, Wayno and Yadi, again, one of the best batteries that I can certainly remember. Possibly one of the greatest in baseball history. I'd have to go back and compare and contrast. But, in terms of sheer stats and numbers, yeah, they're a pretty damn good one. I'm honestly surprised Yadi reached 1,000 career RBIs. I almost didn't expect it, because, especially for a catcher, 1,000 career RBIs is rare. Considering Yadi was never the greatest hitter during his career, especially to start his career, and all of a sudden, he kind of picked it up in the middle, and now he's just kind of putting the finishing pieces on what will end up being, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame career as one of the best catchers, certainly, of the 2000s, maybe of all time. Well, that's a much, much later debate that we can have in the off season, but kudos to him and then i already talked about miggy and now i'll give my kudos to dusty congratulations on reaching 2000 2000 wins yeah nothing to scuff at he's a hall of famer as well kudos to possibly i mean wainwright i don't think he'll be a hall of famer but the other three who we've talked about certainly are in my books
0: absolutely it's definitely a privilege getting to watch these guys close out their careers and finally reach these milestones that we've been dreaming they'd be Reaching for years now. Back when Miggy got that triple crown, seeing him up here with Albert Pujols and uh, Hank Aaron now just kind of feels right, you know? Wainwright being among the most successful pitchers in Cardinals history, you know, he's not Bob Gibson, but, you know, he's still up there in terms of accolades and all time prestige. It's fantastic to see. And Dusty Baker, I'm proud of you. I'm <laughs> very. It's great to see him succeed, as painful as it isn't to see him in the playoffs. Uh, hey, speaking of Dusty in the playoffs. <laughs> Let's talk Jesus. about the team that he almost coached to a World Series, but then the eighth inning happened. If you're an Angels or a Giants fan, you'll get that. Let's talk about the Giants, because speaking of legends, Buster Posey was actually honored recently. This past Saturday was Buster Posey Day over at Oracle Park, and the Giants chose to celebrate by taking a massive dump on the St. Louis Cardinals pitching. Oh, man, As good as Wainwright and Yachty have been this year, It was not Steven Matz's day. No, good God. Him and the front end of that bullpen got the full wrath of a Giants team looking to pay tribute to their former all-time catcher. But the festivities were fun. Posey got to hug some of his former teammates one last time. I believe Hunter Pence showed up as well. Just a nice tribute to, my opinion, my humble opinion, one of the greatest Giants to ever live.
1: Yeah, one of those guys that he also gave a massive hug to, which I believe was the final one, at least that I was told on Twitter, was Brian Wilson, his former closer that he got to catch when he came up into the leagues. He had long hair, kind of like Lincecum, and he didn't have the beard, so I didn't recognize it was Brian Wilson at first, and then I saw the tattoos, and I'm like, okay, this makes sense now. So that was fun, but um, well, I think that the best moment wasn't it's been replayed on Twitter a bunch of times, or at least I've replayed on Twitter a bunch of times his kids threw out pitches to him almost kind of like the first pitch for the game that that was just a really special thing you like to see like y'all baseball we don't really get to see like players show their personality all too much or better off like they put their families in their public life and buster's not somebody who's really done that but it's great to see that the camaraderie he has with his kids it's just a special relationship that unfortunately not everybody gets to have and Clearly, this guy's got it going for him. I mean, I think it was both of his kids. I think he has a son and a daughter. They both threw out a pitch to him. And I think Brian Wilson was the last one to close out the outing, I guess you could say. But, um, tss. so, uh, yeah, that it, it was a special day. I honestly didn't even see that they took a massive dump on the Cardinals' pitching that day, Tony. Do you know what the final score was?
0: It was 13 to 7 in favor of good old San Fran. Oh, they just. Jesus dug a hole that uh, St. Louis couldn't take themselves out of in a very strange turn of events for Mets fans. Wilmer Flores actually hit a grand slam off Steven Matz in the first inning, which about six, seven years ago, that would have been like, huh, what? <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Oh, wait
1: a minute. I remember this game. He had one hit that day. That was it. And he somehow had six RBIs, which I found very I strange. That.
0: I saw that. That's so funny. And obviously that one hit drove in the four runs. I don't know how the other two got driven in. Maybe probably, sack fly, probably flies a walk, or, or a maybe walk. a
1: sack fly. That could be it, or a sacrifice hit. Yeah. Ah <laughs> oh, Jesus! Why are you snickering <laughs>
0: about? So I'm snickering because I just I just opened Twitter to get the notification off. This this is one last thing to clown on the Phillies. I swear to Christ, Jesus. I'm gonna like I'm gonna like it so Tom could see it. It's from user at trelindor twenty. Name is Sam with a thumbs down, so I'm guessing he's a Mets fan. Ranking the futures of every MLB, NBA, and NFL franchise. It's a tier list. I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it'd, be, it'd take way too long. I'm going to talk about the last tier called Absolutely F <laughs> <laughs> There's three teams in there. <laughs> the Sacramento Kings, the Utah Jazz, and the Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> Tom, what were you saying about their prospect system earlier? It seems somebody agrees with you. Yeah, I certainly hope so. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't
1: say they're absolutely for comparing them to every other sports franchise in America. But I mean, they certainly belong in the conversation. And clearly, Sam, I think you said his name was, would certainly put them that that way, I guess.
0: (laughs) I just thought it was funny. We're not gonna deep dive the whole tier list. Like I said, I just wanted to throw that out there for one last jab at Phillies fans. I don't know. I have nothing against you Phillies fans. Yeah, maybe we'll have
1: to do that sort of tier list in the offseason. We did plenty of them this offseason. Maybe next offseason, we'll do a tier list of all 30 MLB franchises of how they're going to be in the next five years.
0: Ooh, you know what? And we have to put the Phillies and absolutely just out the gate.
1: <laughs> we'll give them a special category of their own. And then below <laughs> that
0: is 50 feet of crap. And then the Oakland A's. <laughs> Don't you mean the Las Vegas A's? Because if they're still in Oakland in five years, I'd be astonished. The San Jose Christ. A's, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: oh, wait. No, they can't go there. The Giants the, own that territory, apparently.
0: The, the Nashville A's. God, I love Nashville, and that just sounds wrong. The Na- no, it's <laughs> going right. to be the
1: Nashville Rays and the Las Vegas A's.
0: You know, I like that better. You know, I like not that be, a lot better.
1: Yeah, not to be confused with the Las Vegas Aces and the A's, the WNBA team there, but I figured they rhyme: Nashville Rays and Las Vegas A's, I don't know.
0: Watch the Vegas Aviators, their AAA team, go to Oakland after all Oh Jesus, and done. that would
1: be that would be punishment beyond death, Jesus.
0: And they probably wouldn't sell as much as they would if they were in Vegas, which makes it even better. Yeah, you know what? Screw it. Keep the Aviators in Las Vegas. We'll send the A's to Reno. F- that. <laughs>
1: oh wait, that, I think they have a trip. I think they have a big. League. <laughs> I think they have a minor league team out there too. I don't know if we could do that. Um. We'll just send them to the there middle you know. of, like, the desert or something like that. They'll still find some more fans.
0: The Montana A's.
1: Yeah. They can get some grizzly bear- They can get some grizzly bears in attendance. Maybe they can bring <laughs> their Cubs to the game and then, hey, you know what? Maybe they'll actually play the Cubs and they can have a Cub Day at the field. I don't know why. We're rambling on
0: everybody. In case you couldn't tell. I don't even know how we got to the A's, but you know what? Let's move on to our last segment here. And it yes. almost has something to do with the A's, except it doesn't because their division rival. I I saw Mariners, and I'm like, oh, A's, that's a good transition. You could could have just left it as, it's about the A's, but it's not. And then you could have moved on. (laughs) That would have worked, too. That would have been applicable. I'm going to just use that as one of my transitions going forward. (laughs) All right, well, our last segment, I bring up the Mariners because Tom alluded to this earlier that the uh, Mariners called up a prospect. Three new prospects have actually risen up to the show as of late, they've been called up, and all three of them have bore fruit in some way, shape, or form. I'll just rattle them off real quick, we don't need to go too, too deep into them, one of whom is Mariners starter George Kirby, who actually threw a very, very good game today against Tampa Bay, he went six scoreless innings, actually the first pitcher in Mariners history to ever do that for their debut game with the team, that's really impressive. There's Twins third baseman, Jose Miranda. If you're a fan of the musical Hamilton, he's actually Lin-Manuel's cousin, which, shut up. Oh my out, God, I saw that on Twitter. I forgot You about saw that. that, right? I saw yes. that on the MLB app. I sent it to my girlfriend immediately. I'm like, hon, you would love this. Like, <laughs> shout out Wiki. She got a real big kick out of that. She actually went to see Hamilton recently. I asked, to, I asked her if Jose was going to be there. She's like, no, probably not. <laughs>
1: uh lucky lucky her for being able to see hamilton i think a friend of ours dan hansen also saw hamilton too i saw him posting about that did
0: he really wow that'd be funny they were at the same show they didn't know i mean it's
1: quite possible i don't know if they would know each other but i mean they definitely
0: wouldn't
1: yeah (laughs) no i don't don't
0: know but but (laughs) yeah good for her for seeing hamilton i mean oh yeah she had a great time and you know who else had a great time jose miranda in the big league so far He's actually accrued a couple hits, including his first big league home run already in his first week of play. So kudos to you, Jose Miranda, considering Miguel Sano is probably out long term. They're going to need you there. And lastly is a guy who got called up today, Diamondbacks outfielder Alec Thomas. Not a lot of time to really make an impact, right? Wrong! He's already got his first major league hit. So congrats to these three young stars in the making. I truly love that these three got called up this week because these are three prospects I've always been high on in their respective organizations, and it's great to see them finally make it.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I've only heard of Alec Thomas probably before a month ago. Maybe I've heard of George Kirby before, but I've seen his stuff from Pitching Ninja and other accounts, and he looks absolutely filthy if you saw what matt brash could do with his slider imagine george kirby but he can do that with many more pitches though the more consistently in the strike zone and yeah they're dirtier i hope that kid has a great career and makes the mariners even better i mean imagine if they have two rookies like headlining their rotation with gilbert and kirby i mean that would be one hell of a time out there and then Jose Miranda, well I don't really know much about him. I'm just gonna assume he's got a good singing voice, possibly because he is the uh you said cousin of Lynn Manuel, correct?
0: <laughs> that is correct. And it it's it's an assumption. I don't know. I mean hey, the one thing we can assume about him is he's not gonna throw away his shot. So I don't know if you know Hamilton. That might have gone a right uh, I know head. Hamilton.
1: My, my, roo- my roommate in college, <laughs> shout out David, we're shouting out so many people, he was a musical <laughs> theater minor. So, uh...
0: Oh, so you know all the songs, probably.
1: <laughs> I've probably heard them many a time. I can't quote them quite, frankly, but if I heard them, I would definitely recognize them.
0: I Trust me, my girlfriend was obsessed with it, and folks out there with girlfriends who are obsessed with stuff, you've probably seen it or heard it seven million times. So. It's like the ten gold. It's like the ten gold commandments, Tony.
1: Like everybody's like obsessed with something. Don't you mean the ten dual commandments? Yeah, shut up. I <laughs> thought it was gold. I'm sorry. See, I told <laughs> you I don't know the lyrics. I tried to be
0: <laughs> slick and throw in a reference, and I messed up. I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna tell my girlfriend after this. Hey, we reference Hamilton on the show, and she's not gonna believe me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then she'll hear me f it up, and then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And then she's gonna I'm... hear me
0: correct you and be probably like, "Oh wow, you know this?" <laughs> yeah, and I would say, "I know it vaguely." <laughs> uh, but at any rate, speaking of dueling,
1: we're th- we're tossing uh, these prospects in here because we may or may not do something, and I really mean may or may not because we've I've had this in the can for months, and then Tony recently threw out an idea as of tonight that would really revise a possible segment. That we'd be talking about the minor leagues and prospects in general. From their rise from the minors to their upcoming in the big leagues and who's doing what. Where we'd highlight some players and highlight some players in the majors and some
0: in the minors. But
1: more on that in the future.
0: Yeah, no, let's, we'll keep it a mystery for now. It's under wraps. It still needs some development. But we got something in the works for you folks. We're going to try and incorporate some minor league stuff because the minor leagues are fun. And these prospects are exciting, as evident by J-Rod, Bobby Witt, and now George Kirby, etc. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But for now, we are going to close out our major headlines segment with our second trivia question of the night.
1: Actually, we are not going to do that yet because it ties in to something that we have in store. And that is... Well, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't work out for Mr. Castellanos in the present, but it certainly works for us as a uh, category title for one of our segments on the show. Take it away, Tom. I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart. I'm so very, very
0: sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith as there is a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen and everyone listening, it's time for another deep drive to left. And my trivia question will be on the following subject. Chris Woodward is a Karen. And Tony <laughs> wrote that on the rundown because of a recent incident that he had. And by recent, I mean literally hours ago for me and Tony on Sunday, May 8th. And that's blowing up like a gasket because Kleber Torres, oh my god, he was so upset, and you want to know why. Kleber Torres, <laughs> the tears rolling down my eye, he hit a 369-foot home run to right field in Yankee Stadium, and it walked it off against the Rangers. So sad. Call a ambulance. Please. And of course, Chris Woodward moaned and whined about it like a bitch after the game. I think he may have slightly been joking, but honestly, this is the guy who got mad at Fernando Tatis Jr. for n- ripping the sh- out of a ball on a 3-0 count that ended up being a grand slam not too long ago when he was managing the Rangers against a game with the Padres. Tony, what did Mr. Woodward like to say? Is this the question? Uh no, this isn't the question. I'm gonna throw to the question in a minute.
0: Oh. Sorry. <laughs> you yeah, I, I confused I brought, for a second. Like, is this the yeah, question? I, I know this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no. I, that would not be the question. I should have been more specific. I will get to the question in a minute. This is just the subject we're tackling <laughs> okay. first, because this is deep dot di- drive material.
0: <laughs> I'm curious how we're gonna format this, but this part I'm not confused about. So Chris Woodward, the Karen of all MLB managers, as I'm gonna call him from here on out. Uh His exact words were that's an easy out in 99% of ballparks He just happened to hit it in a little league ballpark throwback to how I opened this episode We were throwing shade at you Chris Woodward because huh, you like to complain about things You like to complain about things a lot You even like to complain about things when like Tom said it was a 369 foot home run that actually would have cleared the fences in 26 of 30 MLB ballparks. Oh, and guess what? The cherry on top? The the cherry on top. Yeah. Rangers ballpark in Arlington would have been one of them. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Chris, you really don't have a leg to stand on here. And you have even less of a leg to stand on when your own player in the back half of a doubleheader hits the same (laughs) home run. In fact, I think Eli White's opposite field blast was a little shorter. So, you don't have a leg to stand on, buddy. Little Park, my ass. Also, I'd like to point out earlier in that game, his one of his players hit a
1: 355-foot home run to right field, and he wasn't complaining about that. <laughs> oh, Chris Woodward, you just love to complain. Jesus Christ. Speaking of Chris Woodward, uh, Tony, here's my trivia question. You just mentioned that it would have been a home run in 26 of the 30 ballparks, in uh, the major leagues tell me the four ballparks it wouldn't have been a home run in that 369 foot shot
0: <laughs> okay i like this question i like this question a lot okay you can has- you can thank you can
1: thank the uh, twitter bot would it dong on twitter for this <laughs> i've never heard of that account that's amazing it it tracks home runs across the big leagues and would it dong across other ballparks in the big leagues i just discovered this tonight I laughed at the name for a second and, for very childish reasons, and then I realized, oh, wait, this is actually a legit account. It's got 95,000 followers. Jesus.
0: Wow, at any okay. rate, uh
1: <laughs> Name the four ballparks that wouldn't have been a home run in. That's my trivia question for you.
0: Okay, I'm trying to think of parks with a really, really funky right field, because mm-hmm. my first thought was cores, because I don't know how high the home run, the home run was. I'm not going to guess Coors. Or actually... Screw it. Is course one of them? It is not one of them. Okay, I didn't think so. Um, What else would it not be? It's probably not Fenway. It's not Oracle. It's not... It's probably not Tropicana. That's definitely not Tropicana, but it
1: actually is one of the fields you just mentioned. It is Fenway Park would not be one of them. What? Because of where he hit it. You gotta remember their right field, you've got the pesky pole,
0: and then it dips outwards. You're totally right. Oh my god, I'm thinking of just the pesky pole, like, oh, lefties tuck home runs around that tiny-ass little corner all the time. That's (laughs) right. Okay, so Fenway Park's one, so there's three left. Yes. I'm gonna wager a guess and say... I'm gonna say Oakland Coliseum? That would not be one of them. Damn it, okay. Now, Uh, here's a... Oh, go on. How about one of the deepest outfields in baseball? How about Kauffman Stadium? That is correct.
1: That is one of them. Cool. Which I was surprised. I didn't realize it was one of the deepest outfields in uh, the MLB, but obviously, It Dong proved me wrong. <laughs> I think it's actually
0: the deepest. It's either that one or Coors.
1: Um, uh, I'm going to assume it's Kaufman, because if it, it would have been a home run at Coors, apparently. <laughs> okay, that's uh, a good point. <laughs> <laughs> but um, now, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to have to limit your amount of guesses. In this, Because there's yeah. only a certain amount of MLB teams and a certain <laughs> amount of fields that we can go over without us going back and forth and then eventually landing on the correct answer and me telling you, you got it 100% right.
0: What, I'm not allowed to just guess every stadium ever? No. It's de- you well, it's def- well, it's definitely not Polo Grounds.
1: <laughs> definitely not. Okay, I, well-
0: I will say all of the- Yeah, they're all active stadiums, if you <laughs> could tell. Forbes Field. No. <laughs> Well, obviously it's not the Rangers' ballpark, because we knew that going in. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna guess... You can also say it's not Yankee Stadium. Well, it's not Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I think it would have been a home run in Yankee Stadium. That's that's my one guess. <laughs> I'm literally just cycling through every ballpark in baseball now. Like, I don't think it'd be Minute made. Uh, Maybe Safe or T-Mobile? I'm gonna be an idiot and actually, like, name one where it could be. I mean, I already did that, but... Uh, okay, how about Marlins Park? It is not Marlins Park. Damn.
1: I will give you this, and this will be the last hint I give you before I limit it to, th- like, three more guesses per league. Because there's one in the
0: National, one in the
1: American League.
0: Okay. For the National League, it's obviously not Wrigley. I feel like it's not PNC. Actually, I doubt it's Bush. Uh, bu- 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 bu. how about, hmm. Give me Petco Park, Padres no, Field. I can I can give it to you, but you're not going to be correct. Damn it. <laughs> How about... All right, I'm thinking of another NLS team. I'm probably going to blow this because I feel like this one's wrong. Is it Chase Field? Diamondbacks? It
1: is not Chase Field.
0: God damn it. I'm...
1: But only real men hit a home run dead center field there. So that is a good guess. <laughs> but this is That's right true. center field.
0: That's true. All right, I'm going to switch over to the American League. How about... Let's go with, uh... No, let's screw it. Minimade Park. No. Oh, I'm great at this. Um, <laughs> I want to say Target Field, but I feel like that's wrong. No, wait, they have that funky wall in right. Is it Target?
1: They do have a funky wall, but they are not the field.
0: Damn it! <laughs> I keep so, psyching the... myself out.
1: I I would give you another hint, but I think it would be a dead giveaway.
0: Yeah, don't worry about it. I got, So I have one left for each league. Yes. Just because I don't want this to go on forever. I'm. Why? Hitter. Pitcher friendly ballparks. This should not be hard. Okay. I'll just throw them both out at the same time. For the American League, I'm going to say it's. I'm going to say T Mobile Park, where the Mariners play. And for the National League, I'll say it's. everyone's favorite ballpark. Um. Screw it. I'll say PNC. I don't think it's right. It's where the Pirates play.
1: Yeah, it's also one of the shortest fields in the big leagues. That is incorrect. You're also incorrect in Seattle. PNC? I'm I'm pretty sure that's one of the shorter fields. I, or, or maybe Damn. I'm thinking of attendance numbers because I know it's really low there. But um...
0: <laughs> what a roundabout way to make fun of pirates <laughs> <Attendance>. <laughs> I did mean to, I meant in total attendance <laughs> with the stadium's
1: capacity. That was not a dig at pirates fans, but that was a <laughs> but that was a good uh, coincidence. Um, so so the one in the American League, I was going to say, think of a scoreboard that would be a home run if you hit it in right field, which would be
0: in the American League.
1: Yes. It'd be one of the oldest ballparks in baseball, Angel Stadium.
0: Oh, I'm an idiot. Why did I um, discount Angel Stadium? Ugh.
1: Also, um, I don't want to make you sound like more of an idiot, but why did you say it's obviously not Wrigley
0: Field? Because isn't Oh no. It's wait <laughs> You're just realizing what the situation is. <laughs> I figure because that little netting it catches so many home runs it, not so many home runs oh my god cause wait the right field oh my god it juts back the stupid yes. scoreboard the Budweiser <laughs> sign god damn it okay <laughs> I, I miss I'm underestimating how far to the right he hit it I'm thinking like just straight in the middle of right field and center field that, yeah that would have totally been in that little area where it moves back Okay. It, it took
1: every ounce of, like, anything inside of me to not say anything once you mentioned Wrigley feel. I was like, are you sure about that? But I had to hold back with great restraint there. <laughs> so, yes, that was your trivia question this week. You did get two of the ballparks right, but uh, unfortunately, that's still only 50%. And as you know, 50% is a failing grade. Thank you, school system.
0: Well, hey, you know what i I'm not gonna defend myself i I still have my trivia question last week where I looked like a genius, but <laughs> Wrigley Field's gonna haunt me for for a little bit.,
1: Oy vey. so yeah, that's the whole Chris Woodward situation brought to you by this deep drive to left. uh It's something that's never gonna die on the show. Maybe we'll eventually rename the segment, but uh, I think it's too iconic at this rate for that to even happen in the near future
0: when the joke dies we'll put our we'll put our brains together try and think up a new name but i don't think tom and i are this creative this late at night so not now not for now
1: not anytime close to now
0: so on that cue um tony would you have any
1: would you like to say <laughs> any departing words to anybody who may be
0: listening to this
1: podcast
0: I don't think I have any left. We had a good first month of baseball and a pretty fun start to the second one. Uh, Meet us back next week, and we'll tell you how May keeps going. Yes, ladies and gentlemen,
1: everyone listening, hopefully by next week we will not have another story of an umpire fondling a pitcher's hand. But stay tuned, because if that surely happens, it will be covered on the Diamond Duo podcast. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. From me from tony we are grateful that you have listened hopefully to this entire episode of the diamond duo podcast or in snippets that's totally fine too just listening means the world to us go follow us on social media if you haven't at the diamond duo podcast on instagram at diamond duo pod on twitter for more content until next time take care everybody stay classy